With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid. So scared to do what I wanted In looking back I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I could talk to me And tell me I can change Don't be afraid Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I'm your host. Tonight is January 15th, 2013. Sorry, bloggers, I was a little slow to uh, open the chat. I got a little, uh, I got a little lost in reading one of Stanton's books right before the show. So tonight we're going to have a really, really great show. I'm happy to have on once again Stanton Peel who actually helped me deprogram a bit right on my little radio show here uh, about a year and three quarters ago. Um, Dr. Stanton Peel is a leading addiction expert, author, researcher, and therapist. He has remained at the forefront of the addiction field for four decades, challenging and changing the way people think about and treat addiction. Dr. Peel has shown that addiction is not primarily a chemical or a medical problem, but a problem in people's responses to life, including both their personal outlooks and their situations. This insight allowed Dr. Peel to show in his 1975 book, Love and Addiction, written also with Archie Brodsky, that addiction is not limited to drugs and alcohol, but may occur with any powerful experience from love to gambling. The logical conclusion of Dr. Peel's work is that addiction is curable. I'm going to repeat that line. The logical conclusion of Dr. Peel's work is that addiction is curable with sufficient changes in a person's perspective and circumstances. Um, and then uh, I want to talk about a little, little uh, promotion for him. He's got a new program called the Life Process Program. We're going to talk to him more about that. And um, I wanted to say this. In recognition of Dr. Peel's formative role in the field in 2011, the online recovery magazine, The Fix, selected Dr. Peel as one of the world's 10 most influential addiction experts. Throughout his career, Dr. Peel has led the world in common sense, non-disease, non-12-step thinking, and addiction treatment. He is the author of eight major books on addiction, including The Meaning of Addiction, Diseasing of America, The Truth About Addiction and Recovery, Seven Tools to Beat Addiction, and Addiction Proof Your Child. Um, I highly recommend, if you're a parent, to get Addiction Proof Your Child. And uh, I was just looking at um, the truth about addiction and recovery. I want to read, I know you're in the queue, Dr. Peel, just hang on a minute, because it was kind of weird. I opened up the appendix to Addiction Proof Your Child, Government watchdog agency report finding government media program ineffective understates the case. So if you're listening and you are working about spreading the word of non-12-step help, 
it turns out that Congress appropriated $1.2 billion to the Office of National Drug Control Policy for a comprehensive anti-drug media and community education campaign. The appropriation required an independent assessment of the impact of the campaign, which was conducted by a respected research firm and published blah, 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 and uh, that did not find that the youth and anti-drug campaign was effective in reducing youth drug use. So it looks like that might be um, some grant money, $1.2 billion, that some of us that have a brain instead of a 1935 wacko religion uh, to uh, push down people's throats and threaten their lives when people want to try something else besides 12-step. And with that, I will bring on Dr. Stan Peel. This is the man. Hello there. Monica, it's so good to be with you again. <laughs> now, that was written a little bit uh, some time ago, and that mm-hmm. study, you know, the government did one of their normal scare studies about marijuana, and it <laughs> actually had a negative impact in terms of kids being less likely to use drugs. But there have been – you and I often talk about where the field is. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. uh, would you say you're sometimes sound more optimistic than I do or what? Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, and I, I, I think it's a big Goliath, but um, I do think that – from seeing the show that you were on with uh, Tom Horvath on uh, Huffington Post, like the live video I saw recently. Huffington Post live, right, yeah. I felt that that in itself, do you think, did that happen 10 years ago on the Internet? Where no, it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. And Tom Horvath, bless his little heart, he claimed on that show, you can, you know, if you search, I guess, Huffington Post Live, and maybe my name, he claims that per, within some number of years... Yeah, 10 years, he said. What did he say? Uh, t- you he, remind yeah, me. He, he what, said, he's, well, he said that if it, if SMART continues to grow as it is, it will be bigger than AA in 10 years, and I believe that will be true because AA... That's, un, that's, that's, unbelie- that's unbelievable. That's um um, now, um, here's how I see the world. I, uh, that study was true, and <laughs> I, I think things are changing, but it's remarkable, although, of course, we were on Huffington Post Live, so, you know, there's some exposure. Right. It's amazing how basically every program you see on television is about, well, you can only go and to the 12 steps, and... Uh, that's your only option. I recently wired magazine last year, one of the leading kind of cutting edge magazines. Mm-hmm. You know, did this pay on to AA, and it, it was a, it read in a really. I'll talk a little bit about it. But on the other hand, there was a time I once went to a, a SAMHSA conference, uh, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. Everybody there hated me. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just tell they didn't want me to be there. It was mm-hmm. just an AA meeting. In 2011, they changed their definition of recovery. Recovery is a process of change whereby individuals work to improve their own health and wellness and to live a meaningful life in a community of their choice while striving to achieve their full potential. Mm-hmm. And the four pillars of recovery were health, home, purpose, and community. Right. They don't mention... Um, substance use per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mean that the way you get better is that you have a purpose in life, that you develop meaningful work, that you stay healthy, that you become involved with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's essentially what I've really been saying for 30 and 40 years. Addiction can be defined as a separate thing. Oh, look, you have a disease, you use alcohol, it right, right. takes over your body. Mm-hmm. You can only look at recovery, and recovery isn't defined as the absence of use of a drug or alcohol. You have to define recovery in terms of your ability to function and your immersion in life and in a community. Now, I, I just have a couple of things to say about that. I, you know, I often joke, I expect to get the Nobel Prize because 
30 years, maybe 20 years ago when they despised me, mm-hmm. they've now pretty much adopted my point of view. Now, SAMHSA is the major government agency involved with substance abuse remedies, with prevention and treatment. Is it the only real government agency? Aren't the rest of them just all kind of fronts for AA? They're not real government agencies? Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, yeah, well, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, of course, you know, is well, that's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. It's run by Nora Volko, and Nora Volko is a person is superimposed on AA is this whole neuroscientific revolution, which is no revolution at all. It's an attempt to claim that, well, we've now discovered in the brain that AA is true and that everybody has to abstain from drugs and alcohol. But actually, they too have discovered something very different. One thing they've discovered is that a million things, not a million, many things impact <laughs> you the same way drugs and alcohol do. Right. And so the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, for the first time, and again, I think this should be cited in my Nobel Prize, has uh, decided for the first time, you know, I wrote Love and Addiction. That was the one book you forgot to mention among my eight books. I wrote Love and Addiction in 1975. Right. And I said addiction isn't something that comes from drugs and alcohol. As you said Mm -hmm. in your introduction, it's a way people have of relating to life and relating to experience. And um, drugs and alcohol, it's not a side effect of drug use. It's a way people have of experiencing the world, and it can happen with any powerful experience. And I mentioned gambling and love relationships. I was the first one to say cigarettes were going to be addictive. And now, in 2012, when they re- or 2012, when they released the first, Mm-hmm. The newest version of DSM-5, for the first time, they're going to recognize one non-drug involvement as being addictive, and they've selected, it would seem almost arbitrarily, mm-hmm. gambling. Not sex, or not eating, or not love, or not shopping, or not video games. Right. And so SAMHSA, the DSM... Right. And the NIDA, in a way, have all followed my pathway, things I've been announcing really for 40 years now, in the direction, in my direction in addiction. At the same time that that's true, at the same time that's true, um, the same old myths prevail. The same old myths prevail that you know, addiction is a separable disease, that it's linked specifically to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. AA is still beyond, by far, currently the dominant method of, and the 12 steps of dealing with addiction, but, with know, alcoholism and addiction. Everybody, still the leading figures, leading intellectual figures still not only it's frustrating. Endorse yeah. it. They don't mm-hmm. even know there's anything else out there. You know what? I spoke to uh, a major reporter, um, educated, and I won't leave out what newspaper it was and whatever, but, you know, she didn't know about all the other options, smart SOS, uh, harm reduction, uh, you know, moderation management. You, She didn't know, that, and she also didn't know, and this is the part that, so horrifying to me that an AA meeting is not led by a trained facilitator, and that's because of the lies that Hollywood tells about AA, which you brought up a few minutes ago. And that's the component, Stanton, that needs to change. That Hollywood has to stop, you know, if they're going to make a film like Flight, then it should say, like, you know, at the end of the film, no animals were hurt. You know, in the making of this film, we didn't kill any horses or, you know, any dogs. Well, or how did Flight anything. deal with AA? It was a total propaganda movie with Denzel Washington. You haven't seen it? Oh, God, you're going to throw no. bananas at it. I have a hard know? time watching them. He went to AA and he got better. What's that? He went to AA and he got better. Um, at first, he goes to the first meeting and then he leaves. He leaves the meeting. But then, to top matters worse, they have him fall in love or have a relationship with a, 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 a heroin addict who goes to AA. It's like, and why didn't she go to NA? We know that most AA members, you know, have hated uh, heroin addicts. They're above them, you know, for years. 
and uh, and then in the end, he uh, you know he sits and uh, you know what I'm so mad about it that I'm going to call the producer. I mean, it's really bad. It's a it it, it ends with like um, him you know uh, wagging his tail in front of a uh, you know some kind of a small court for pilots and and admitting you know the truth that you know he ha- he is uh, an alcoholic and that he was. So does he go to an AA meeting and get better? Oh, yeah. He goes, uh, well, the girl, you know, the, the whole thing with the sponsor and the girlfriend. And, uh, you know, they don't end it with him standing at a meeting saying, you know, I'm so-and-so. Uh, they went about it another way because I had read that he didn't want to make it just about that. He wanted to make it about a, the pilot story. But if Denzel Washington knew what I know about Alcoholics Anonymous and their women. Well, this then we're getting back to you can't be very optimistic then, can you? Because uh, you know what? We have, you're just telling me the leading reporter for a big newspaper doesn't know there's alternatives. You're telling me that when a big movie comes out, and I, I, you know, Flight wasn't nominated for Academy Award, what people were speaking about it. Uh, they only the only concept they have of dealing with an alcohol problem is AA. So, how can a little bit a little bitty show like yours, and even my books and even Tom Horvath speaking out, how can they measure up against this giant cultural machinery that just gives us one point of view? Well, it's it's a combination of things. One would be, I finished my film, there's a blogger in the UK, he makes a film, but that after that, we, I mean, I'm reaching out now to major stars and uh, talking to them <laughs> about what I'm doing, and we need some... Well, I'm glad to- you're doing that. Yeah. Name one may I mean I guess the only major star who didn't who rejected AA for better or for worse unfortunately was Charlie Sheen. Right. Um, and I met him last week. I met him at a party and I told him what was going on. By the way, I know a woman who's really into harm reduction. She was in a foreign country and she met Charlie Sheen's father. Mm-hmm. Martin Sheen mm-hmm. and Martin Sheen started raving about AA this is before Charlie Sheen went off the tracks the last time Right. and this woman, you may even know her I won't mention her name didn't even mention she was actually at a harm reduction conference mm-hmm. she didn't mention there was any other way of looking at addiction so even our leading lights are really intimidated From you're not intimidated perhaps but no, our not. leading lights uh, you know you know Cower in the face of. Um, I mean, I, I can just tell you a story. You were with me when we heard from another mutual friend. One of the right. leading figures in harm reduction is Gabor Mate, mm-hmm. a man who works with street heroin addicts. He came to L.A. There was a giant gathering led by Jamie Lee Curtis, and she got up and she just praised day to the sky. And Gabor Mate, a man who believes in harm reduction, supposedly, mm-hmm. which you know, would indicate that not everybody's going to abstain and that there need to be other ways of thinking about it. He got up and he just said, what a a God's contribution to Earth AA was. Uh, You you didn't happen to attend that meeting, did you? No. um, uh, There's a friend of mine who was there, and she said it was pretty hard to watch. Um, I think that one of the things that I want to do is, I know you have a life process, uh, you have a program that you... I have a life process program, you can look it up on the internet. I offer, I at one point had a residential treatment program, and now I'm offering the life process program, thanks for mentioning it, Monica, Mm -hmm, on, you know, an internet basis, because I need to, you know, just the way Tom Horvath is reaching out with Smart, you have to make... Give people an all. You have to get legitimacy for an alternative approach. You have to have a recognition that the current approach, to say the least, hasn't solved our problems. And then you have to make it accessible to people. You have to reach out and allow them to find a way to do something different. Right. To take I on mean, a different approach. Yes. So everybody who's listening, uh, I'm listening. I'm talking to Dr. Stanton Peel. And he is a therapist, and he has a he's an author, and he has a life process program. You can go to it online, lifeprocessprogram.com. There's how it works, the testimonials and endorsements, and the community forum, and everything is up there. I'll put it on my blog roll on um, my leaving AA blog. Uh, one one of the ways, Stanton, I think that besides my little show, which 
uh, you know, I, I'm becoming fond of the little uh, nest it is now. I, I mean, I think it's kind of funny. For you know, I didn't do any promotion. I have 55,000 downloads and listens. It's free. That I put it. I took out a bench ad in West Los Angeles, and you know, I have people now contacting me all over the country saying, "Let's put a bench ad in every city." <laughs> You know, near, and that'd be fine. Um, I can't be, you know, I don't have that kind of money just sitting around. So I am going to form a nonprofit that this money would then go to this kind of advertising on subways and stuff. But really, Stanton, the way to do it is for me to reach out into Hollywood and to get some of these people who drink normally, like whether it's George Clooney or um, Dave, uh, James Gandolfini. Uh, and as well as Charlie Sheen, who I did meet at this uh, Fox event and spoke to him about what I was doing and told him about all the bloggers and how we didn't think he was crazy. Uh, I don't care how crazy he sounded. We all knew when he threw the book at Chuck Lorre that he was speaking the truth and that there are thousands, maybe millions of Well, if you read about, um, I mean, it is bad. Charlie Sheen's a tough guy to have as your mascot or your motto, yeah. but mm-hmm. – but, um, um, he was drinking an awful lot. Uh, was uh, who's the other man you mentioned? The other Hollywood actor. Well, I mentioned uh, over the whole the more recent. I meant, just mentioned. Um, let's see, George Clooney. I mentioned George uh, Clooney. You know, went through a really bad period. He was drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. He had a really bad medical problem. Uh, he felt he was close to death, and drinking was the only thing that relieved it. Mm-hmm. And then now he's cut back his drinking. The problem in life is. People like that don't want to go on television and say, well, I was drinking in a pretty extreme way. Because in America, if you do that, people say, oops, alcoholic, A. B, he has to go to AA. C, he can't drink at all now. So he he's told his story. And, of course, George Clooney's a, as famous as anybody in Hollywood. Right. But nobody's connected the dots to make clear how he's actually an example of the opposite of AA, that he didn't label himself an alcoholic, although he could have, that it depended upon what was going on his health and what was going on in his life, and that when he got better, it's a, we have a cultural meme out there, yeah, and you can't attack cultural memes. Now, I admire you beyond belief, Monica. You've got so much guts. You're such mm-hmm. a little powerhouse. I don't mean little them to be diminutive. I mean, you know, you're such a small engine compared to all of this. I know. I feel it's like hard to defeat cultural memes. Mm-hmm. When everybody in the culture thinks one way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can chip away at it, and there can be examples. But, uh, you know, look at the uh, gun massacre in Connecticut. They're saying, look, they're probably not going to pass any gun laws, really. Because we have a way of thinking, and nothing can break into that. And we have you know, a way of thinking about AA and addiction mm-hmm. and alcoholism, mm-hmm. and it's virtually impossible to break through people's, shatter people's conceptions. But you know what? I'll have to say that um, I have talked to some uh, relatively big reporters in the last month, and they feel that this story is so the sexual predation story, and now with the murder of Carla Brada that it is like the Catholic Church. And when I when I sit and talk to them or I'm on the phone with them, they see the correlation of even the sponsorship abuse and uh, the, the sending of the third-level sex offense, like the whole story, which I know you know about. But they're, they really uh, You've talked it. about this on your show, I guess. Uh, what's that? You've talked about Carla Brado on your show? Uh, you know, I... I'm going to meet when her parents are coming to my house tomorrow because we're going to take down the petition. I don't know that we, I haven't done a show with about you know her um, yet, and um, and the reason. Are you allowed to just well tell the basics of the story maybe to your audience then? Oh, the are you allowed to do that? Oh yeah, I mean it's out there on the courthouse news. The basics of the story was that she um, met uh, a man in the meetings that was uh, overly, you know, sentenced over and over again to AA as part of his, uh, rather than sending him to jail, and was sent to rehab. And uh, there he met her sponsor's husband, and then um, she met him in a meeting, and um, he beat her up after three months of dating him. And uh, the sponsor of her, of Carla, convinced her to go take out seven grand out of her on her 
charge card because she didn't have it in the bank as cash and get him out of jail. And they, um, you know, got him out and he murdered her and two weeks later. Well, let's take, okay, I mean, I know, Monica, your point of departure is these predators at AA. Uh, let's take a step back. How did she end up in AA? Yeah, this is this is so it's it, she ended up in AA. Uh, I, mean, it's, are you, I want do you know? Let's talk about that. Is what I want to do. Well, you know, she was went to get some help. She was drinking a little too much, and she went to a doctor, who then sent her to um, uh, sent her the doctor sent her to a uh, a specialist doctor who sent her to a rehab he owned. Charging her a thousand dollars a day. The specific event that caused her to be sent by the first doctor was she had a DUI where she had a point oh eight level of no, alcohol. I no, I don't think I don't believe she had a DUI. I don't think so. I, I didn't. There's no talk well, about uh, DUI. Well, no. I, I mean, um, how did she get referred to the doctor? Um, I think she went to her uh, like insurance. The insurance, um, it's it's back to the insurance. But I mean, why? Because she was worried about her drinking. Yeah, she was a little concerned about her drinking. And um, but we can talk about this maybe. Let me, you know, when I have more information. I mean, a lot of the information is is online, and then she's being interviewed by somebody from like a online paper, which is pretty big. And we hope it'll wind up on there. But uh, this, we also are so. Uh, it's a, it is a big, you know, like the Catholic Church, I would say that part of the problem, I just want to say this. If a lady X goes to her doctor who sends her to, um, and if she goes, even she works, say she works for Fox, 20th Century Fox, and she says, you know, God, I'm drinking too much because now people are like, I don't know why you would want to go tell your employer that, but I guess it's so hip and cool. So she goes there, and Aetna or Blue Cross is now paying for uh, rehab, and you go to the rehab, and all they're doing is preaching you, a religion, Alcoholics Anonymous, faith healing stuff, and then and and then you go to that rehab, and then Stanton, they bus you. It, you go into vans, and you go to meetings where you're going to sit next to a third-level sex offender and a violent criminal, but no one's told you that that's who's sitting there. Well, you keep going back to that. Um, the fact we're not – I don't believe we're going to defeat AA by pointing out – I mean, it's important to point out that they have no safeguards and that this mm-hmm. woman was killed by – Mm-hmm. being um, sent to AA, that's important to show out. But thats I don't feel that that's the basis for which we need to um, – we got we have to show the part where it doesn't do any good, that it's based on mythology, that we don't recognize other alternatives. I mean, I, I know you pointed out one part of the equation mm-hmm. – but um, I think we have to dig in there at its roots and explain why. I'm, I'm, now, I don't know. There's a blog about Carla. It says this. She had a DUI. This is what the blog says. It's by uh, a woman I think you know as well as I do, uh, Laura Tompkins. Her yeah. Name. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's a blog. It's called Carpet. It's called Cougar Bloggers. This is what it says. Okay. Now I, you know, I'm, I assume it's right, but you know, maybe you can check on it. Um, she was a young kid, and uh, she was was she 30 years old when this happened? Well, you know, she was, but I, can I tell you? There's a there's a. Blog Let me just finish here. Let me just hear what this is. What the blog says. Okay. Uh, she died when she was 31. Um. But she was got a DUI. That's how she got referred oh. Oh, to okay. treatment, and she had a point oh eight BAL. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, I mean, you know, you shouldn't drive when you've been drinking. But if you have a point oh eight DUI, it's almost as though that's a definition of not being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Oh, she. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. She had a DUI, and she also got involved into in an accident. So nobody got hurt. But then they, she attended an inpatient rehab at the Action Family Counseling Center, was taken in a van with all the other patients, AA meetings. That's the part you said. So the, that's why I, you want to point out that she was murdered by a man, which is a horrible, horrible story, and it does put a chip in this idea that AA is this idealized organization. Mm-hmm. But 
when a 30-year-old woman drinks too much and has a .08 BAL and she ends up in the inhab, inpatient rehab, that's a more basic problem. It's, a, right. it's an example of how we don't – why is it a more basic problem, Monica? Well, feel? what it is is because I think that anybody who gets their first DUI with that low amount of alcohol, now that I understand that – that there should be given, they should be, you know, dealt with moderation uh, treatment, not with 1935 treatment. Like they should not be going into a rehab for someone who has a really bad alcohol problem. I mean, I'm with you, Gunther out there, you know, who's asking a question, but Gunther, you know, who was really talking to me more about the stuff you are, the core, what's wrong with AA is the essence that I left. I mean, I was uh, horrified, and, uh, you know, when when Christine Cass was murdered by a guy who was, you know, sentenced by the state of of Hawaii and by a judge to AA before, and he had anger issues, and woman, you know, it just... No, I just want to stop you one minute there. So there have been, and there have been quite a few, depredations, including murders, because of AA before, Mm -hmm. and that hasn't brought AA down. So, I mean, maybe I think you are helping to make this case more of a cause celebra. But these things happen all the time. I mean, of mm. course, you you know about stinking, the old website, Stinking Thinking, which is oh, an yeah, active yeah. now, which had, you know, five to ten stories a day about rip-offs and rapes and the violence and murders due to, uh, at AA groups. And that all of that was going on. And yet they're still sentencing people to AA groups, don't you well, think? You, I mean, want, going back well, to that Carlos story, well, that didn't okay, stop so, them. But, I mean, Stanton, I mean, we could talk about, like, the strategy is big and wide. This From stopping the judges' sentencing, including DUIs, to AA, which is breaking the law in California, as you know, because the Ninth Circuit right, Court already said point. it's a religion. So if you stop that from happening and make the courts give people a choice, like they can't just do that. They need a, a room down at the courthouse, and AA can come and smart, and you can be there, and there could be a pamphlet, you know, with harm reduction and moderation and all the, the the seven or eight choices that are out there. That should be how those people are handled. The criminals can't be sent. And honestly, on my blog right now, what we're seeing is people are talking about the insanity of the belief system, exactly what you're talking about. So people are leaving not because of the rape and the murder, right, because the murders are hor- horrible, but it's because of the sponsor abuse, because of the crazy, wacko, you know, uh, behavior that's going. A 1935 belief system is being used as the, you know, 95% the modality. That so why does the most revered harm reduction guy in the world, he's not American, he's Canadian, Gabor Mate, come to L.A., and lecture before a packed Hollywood crowd and say that AA is the greatest thing going, and because everybody's he has, because cheering. Because he doesn't have any guts. And you know what? Maybe he because maybe it's going to take somebody like me, Stanton, who was in that wacko cult for as long as I was in it, and I'm fed up. I get the personal emails. I get the people who call me on the phone who were traumatized by these sick people, including sponsors that are power tripping. And what it needs to happen is after my film to make a fictional film. How's your film going uh, now? You know what I mean? What? How's your film going? I'm just going to get back to it. You know, I'm I'm getting back to it now after you know. Well, I know you. You know, I'm I'm really. I don't know if your listeners are aware. You did have some. Thank goodness you've overcome some health issues because you're a life force, Monica. I mean. Mm, thank you so much, Dan. We need you here on Earth, and uh, apparently this, the heavens believe that. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. And, I, you know, when I was uh, having the issues, I, I feel like um, I recovered. I really have a lot to do. I'm not ready to go yet. You know what I mean? I was really like I am not ready to go until I take this on. And, you know, I want to – I have you on. If you're listening, I'm, we're talking to Dr. Stanton Peel and Gunther asked, what is the latest, most exciting thing that Stanton Peel is involved with? Are there any recent changes or advances in his beliefs about addiction? Do you want to talk about my address? That well, time? yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I'm thanks, in the middle of finishing a book with Ilsa Thompson, who used to, uh, who was the founder, uh, co-founder of Stinkin' Thinkin'. Oh, I know, I love And Ilsa. we're releasing a book. Oh. 
Yes, yes, I'm so excited about this it. This year, mm-hmm. um, and it, it introduces the perfect program, which is an integration of, you know, non-12, it, 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 it talks first about, you know, how all these neuroscientific discoveries that are act- that are claimed to support AA, in fact, refute it because, um, for one thing, you can sh- the- everything impacts your brain. I mean, what people are now saying, well, gambling's addictive the same way alcohol is because it affects your mm. neurochemical system. Everything affects your neurochemical system, right. including positive experiences that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called neuroplasticity. You have the ability to impact your own mind. Right. And the fact that you can experience, the fact that you can relate uh, your involvements and experiences to changes in your brain is actually really great optimistic news because it tells you that you control your own functioning. Right. So I begin the book with a part that talks about what addiction is. I get into what I just described, the new ADEMHA, Alcohol and Drug Abuse and Mental Health Administration, definition of recovery, to point out that really, in a way, fundamental institutions in our culture are recognizing the things that we're saying, that the whole AA, abstinence, it's a disease model, not only don't make sense, they're not productive. And they haven't been productive for 50 to almost 100 years now. Right. We've had AA in place for more than a half a century, well over half a century, mm-hmm. 75 years officially, of course, and nothing's changed. We're no less, we don't have fewer alcoholics. You'll see new news items all the time, more women binge drinking and becoming alcoholics. And we have no, and we, the fact that it doesn't produce positive changes doesn't discourage us in the least. And so I, I'm pointing out that some major institutions are recognizing that. They are looking at common sense approaches. Mm-hmm. And then I shift to something that Ilsa Thompson and I have developed called the Perfect Program, where we lay out um, an alternative way of thinking about addiction and attacking it. And we rely, we incorporate heavily uh, mindfulness concepts. I, I, I uh, A mm-hmm. great, great addiction psychologist named Alan Marlett died last year. He's a man whose career was very parallel to mine. I mean, we were about the same age, and we came along at the same time. Mm-hmm. He did. He's always done critical, critical research, Alan Marlette did. Um, I'm, I'm planning on dedicating the book to him. Mm-hmm. He was the first person to show the think-drink effect, where if alcoholics drank alcohol but didn't know it was alcohol, they didn't binge, mm-hmm. whereas... If they drank something that wasn't alcohol, but they were told it was alcohol, they were more likely to binge drink. Then he showed relapse prevention. The people relapse not because they take drugs, but because they're they're under stress or they have emotional issues or sometimes because they're feeling too good or they're in a familiar setting. But relapse isn't a matter of a chemical reaction. Relapse is an, a matter of an emotional <coughs> and a situational okay. reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Alan had been getting into m- mindfulness research where he showed that teaching people to control their own reactions to things by teaching them to meditate, mm-hmm. to giving to, to mindfulness relapse prevention, which is their ways of capturing the experience of having an urge to use, <coughs> And controlling that through mind techniques, which you can learn and practice, Mm -hmm. along with other kind of life fulfillment techniques, including self-acceptance, are really critical elements towards emerging from addiction. And the main reason, along with creating the program that's doing this, Ilsa and I are especially concerned to show in America we we often believe contradictory things. I mean, on the one hand, people say, oh, yeah. You're an alcoholic. You're born to be an alcoholic. You can never get over it. Uh, yeah. If you have one drink, you go crazy. Mm-hmm. That's one thing a lot of people believe. But a lot of people believe mindfulness techniques. A lot of people believe right. that you're able to influence your thinking, that having a positive outlook and self-acceptance makes you better able to deal with the world. Right, that right. teaching people that they can control their lives, certainly with children, is a positive thing. And part of the reason for us to 
draw these things together in the books to show there are what I consider totally bullshit Buddhist approaches to the 12 steps because they're they're opposed. They're contradictory. And part of what we're doing in putting these things together, it's like a mashup, is to show they don't work together. Mm-hmm. And this is a different alternative way of thinking. And, in fact, mm-hmm. this is a more productive uh, and beneficial way of thinking, which many people recognize, but they haven't got it sorted out in their mind. I mean, like Ibor Mate hasn't got it sorted out in his mind, that if you believe in harm reduction and encouraging people to recognize they can control their destinies, that, you know, total abstinence isn't always possible and not the only way that people improve their lives, Right. that you can't believe that at the same time and say AA is God's gift to mankind. Those are contradictory approaches, which we and we have to balance them up against each other to recognize that and to vote in a different direction. Stanton, can I jump so in? So that's the to... answer to what I'm doing that's exciting and new, oh. along with my life process program online and one or two other little things. It's I have to carry on twice as hard now that Alan has left us because, mm. you know, I've got a double. The, uh, thank God I've got you to help me out, Monica. Because yeah, um, well, we have to help each other. I do think we need to stick together and. Uh, that it's really important when I saw that you're doing it. I'm I'm glad that you're doing it. I was really excited uh, that I knew that Ilsa was writing a book and with you, and I can't wait till it comes out because uh, you know we need these books. There's another person who wrote a book that's coming out in July. Uh, I wanted to ask you. I saw this guy on the what you're just talking about with the brain. I saw this guy in KCET, and his name is Rudolf E. Tanzi. And he is studying neurology um, at Harvard Medical School, and it began with the uh, the causes of Alzheimer's. But they realized that what they were you know what they were finding in the research to to keep off or to deal with um, Alzheimer's that there were things that were going to help the brain uh, for someone who wasn't even uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. You know, someone who was already sick. It's called super brain. And I just caught the end of it. Have you heard of him? Well, I haven't heard of him, but what is Superbrain, anyhow? It's a book. I didn't quite get that. It's a book, and it it says here, Unleashing the Explosive Power of Your Mind to Maximize Health, Happiness, and Spiritual Well-Being. And Deepak Chopra was there. He wrote it with him. And so he had those shows on PBS where they, you know, have a guy talking about his book, and they have a whole half hour um, where they do it. And it just was really, uh, I start, I did one of the, he gave one of the exercises when you're upset, you know, he gave you like a little something to do, and I did it because I got really mad about this AA stuff. You know what I mean? I go, this can't be. No, not you, Monica. <laughs> so I, I did the exercise, and I felt better. And I thought I'm buying this book. I'm gonna. I said all of us ex-steppers need this guy's book <laughs> to deal with how we're feeling. Well, but, I, I mean, I, I can't. You know, I, I mean, I've heard Deepak Chopra talk about addiction, and I haven't been overly impressed. But so I'll let me say two things about this. There are a number of people who are, and I, we refer to them in our book, who are real neuroscientists and. They don't end up saying, oh, you're born this way and alcohol makes your brain addicted. That's they, a, a real view of neuroscience very much includes the idea that you can impact your own brain's neuroscience, that you're a causative factor, that yeah. the life you live, that the way you think yeah. can change your actual... Meditation changes your brain waves. Yes. That the idea that neuroscience only runs in one direction that you know uh it proves that you can't control your addictions or outgrow them is completely mistaken now the only problem i sometimes have with some of these books is Mm -hmm. sometimes they mask what are really good cognitive exercises and important exercises and it's important to point out that they have an impact on your neurochemicals and your neurochemistry. But I I don't want people to think sometimes by adding element it makes it too mysterious. What we're trying to do in our book is that you you have the ability to control those exercises. You have the ability to make those critical changes in your life and in your brain. Right. We, we always the most critical element to recognize is and AA fails to recognize this is that you control your own destiny. If you don't believe that, 
you're doomed. If you can't say to yourself, well, my best chance in life is that I'm the one who's going to manage my destiny and my life going forward. Now, you might need all kinds of help. That doesn't mean you have to drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might mean that your best choices are to quit certain things or to avoid certain experiences. Mm -hmm. But if you don't believe that you're in charge of your destiny going forward in addiction, you're doomed. There's no other way out of it. You're trapped otherwise. They've sold you a bill of goods, and they're not going to let you escape. And if we get back to, what if you take a young girl? I don't know the specifics of the case that you're referring to, but what if you take a young girl and you say, oh, you know, you have .08 BAL, you're an alcoholic, that means you can never drink again, and while you're at it, you can't take any, you know, pharmaceuticals or drugs. You have to come to an organization where we really can take control of you and take charge of you. I believe we've had this discussion before. Yeah. It's not, the fact that there are predators at AA meetings is bad. The fact that it's unregulated, the fact that people give them a free ride is bad. But the biggest problem is when a human being is brought in that environment and either they haven't learned to respect or control themselves or they're in a very vulnerable state. If you you know get in a car accident and you're worried about your drinking, and then you're liable to be manipulated and controlled by other people. It's almost as though you're being set up. I mean, so... It's not only that that predator's there, okay, that's bad, but there are predators everywhere. But your protective mechanisms are, you're deprived of your protective mechanisms. You're stripped down from them. You're almost made, the process almost makes you vulnerable to be exposed and manipulated by those people. Oh, it's completely, it's it's a very different setting. That's what's horrible. Yes, and it's a very different setting than anywhere else. Uh, You're in a place where people actually say things to women like, well, what was your part in it? Um, nobody kicks, if, if somebody did like something like that in the post office or wherever, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, repeating myself of stuff that I've, you know, really ranted on a lot. But this is the part when, you know, somebody says what you did. The difference between AA is they're told you to leave your brain at the door. We know better than you. Um, you right. know, uh, that, uh, you know, your best thinking got you here. What was your part in it? Right. Hold hands with strangers. Give your number out to strangers. Uh, read this book from the 1930s. Uh, you can't get angry. Uh, if you do, you're going to you're, you're, you know, block yourself from the sunlight of the spirit, and you're going to drink again. I mean, a lot of hocus-pocus, whatever. You know, that's why I agree with you so much. So when I read an article like the one that, you know, I discussed that appeared in my book, we discussed this article on Wired by this guy named Kerner and that David Brooks wrote about, a big conservative thinker. They don't seem to read all those things you leave your brain at the door, your best thinking got your they don't realize that the whole thing is an attack on you as an individual and your own integrity and your own capability. They don't, and it's amazing how AA gets away with doing that um, with, uh, uh, without arousing anybody's suspicion. That's, I mean, obviously a person dying is as bad as it gets, but the fact that the whole thing is set up to encourage that way of thinking to make you that vulnerable that's and you're often sentenced there by a court right and right. you're often sent there when you're a young person right um those are the those are the most incredible things yeah i mean i i i let's see we're talking to stanton peel dr stanton peel the number is 818-475-9211 i totally forgot to uh, ask anybody if they want to call in because stanton and i can just talk up a storm uh, which needs to happen anyway because there needs to be a storm to blow the other shit out of the of the town because this town that I'm in is so full of it um, that we need a series on HBO or Showtime uh, to change what I see on television and what I see in film. And it is my intention to make it happen, Stanton. And before I die... Well, I open up arguments now. I mean, <laughs> you, I don't know if you know the name Ethan Nadelman. Ethan Nadelman's the head of the Drug Policy Alliance. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is legalization. You know, as mm-hmm. you're aware, Colorado and Washington State just legalized right. marijuana. And in a funny way, that goes against AA because they're sort of saying, well, look, there are these things out there, and your job in life is to avoid or manage these experiences because mm-hmm. you can't avoid addictive experiences. If you believe, DSM-5, that gambling or sex or love 
or shopping can be addictive, you can't you can't eliminate addictive things. Um, what you can only do is prepare addiction-proof your child. My book that you mentioned is about yeah, preparing people to deal book. with addictive yeah, really experiences. Yeah, it's a fantastic book, and I really highly recommend it, folks out there. Get it on Amazon, Addiction Proof Your Child. It is an awesome book. Go ahead, Stan. I'm sorry I interrupted And you. so um, at the same time, I know, you know, Ethan is buoyed by the fact that different states are passing legalization things. At the same time, of course, the U.S. government is prosecuting people. But leaving that aside, um, I know that they – hope that some leading figures, liberal figures, I'll name two, Patrick Kennedy, you know, the son of Ted Kennedy, the former congressman, and William Cope Moyers, the son of Bill Moyers, they're from very liberal families. They're both very involved in 12-step treatment. They've been in and out and relapsed a million times. William Cope Moyers works for um, <coughs> Hazleton, and Patrick Kennedy's been in and out of the Mayo Clinic. They come down five square against any change in the drug laws. So <clears throat> it's, I, I mean, uh, uh. Ethan Edelman's a lot like fighting a bit. I mean, he's an important person with an awful lot of resources. And, yeah, you know, I, I obviously. Yeah, I did contact them, and then I got, you know, my physical issues that I was dealing with. And well, I'm glad you're ma- reaching out. Yeah, and even they have to face up to the fact that they're battling this 12-step monolith out there. In other words, you would expect that people like Patrick Kennedy and William Good Morris would say, you know, we really can't be arresting 22-year-olds and sentencing them to jail and kicking them out of college and they can't get scholarships because somebody catches them with marijuana, especially since the president admitted he smoked marijuana, and if they would have caught him, he wouldn't be the president. We can't be doing that, and you would expect these liberal forces to say, you know, it's not really a good approach. It really is overkill in many Mm -hmm. cases, and they can't. They can't because they're so steeped in this 12-step way of thinking. They're so up to their ankles and hips and shoulders and heads in thinking, well, there are people who have diseases, and if they ever take a drug or they ever have a drink, like me, they're going to go crazy. And so we have to do everything we can that's humanly possible to eliminate these substances. So what the parallel I'm drawing is that's a powerful movement to change our drug laws. Right. And even in that arena where there are a lot of powerful forces for change Mm -hmm. and American popular opinion shifting, even liberal 12-step advocates are fighting against any kinds of changes in how we think and approach these problems. They See just my want point? more controls and more, you know, I think it's part of the whole culture, which we could talk about a whole hour about, you know, the fact that it, it, my kid could get a ticket for having a lighter, you know, and I'm going to wind up in a court in in Los Angeles County. I mean, can you give me a break in the 1970s? If I, where, do they, be, where do they find this lighter? Oh, I mean, this, it's, uh, it, it, let's see. He carried like, it in school? Few, years, yeah, years ago, not even in the school, across the street from the school, or how about if your kid is out after, we have a curfew, like there was no curfew when I was growing up. There's a curfew in Los Angeles for children? There's a, cur- there's a curfew, and then you get a ticket because he had his dog, he had his new puppy out with his friends, and, you know, I'm, I'm, we can talk off the phone about this, but it's it's a problem that we have in our culture that, you know, now we have to, like, take off our underwear to go through the, you know, to get on a plane. Or, oh, it's our shoes, right? Okay, we have to take off our shoes, but they get to feel us up. The restrictions <laughs> in our culture. I don't go to those same airlines that you do. I missed that one, the, the underwear sorry, part. I'm but it's so bad. Uh, like, I'm like, you know, it's it's insane. And I think that the what you're talking about is true, but I do think that the House of Cards that Charlie Sheen talked about, I think AA's foundation is on, a, on, is on sand. To be really honest with you, it's on sand. So that it will only take a, a strategic movement, and now we have the Internet, that will address the exposing. I am I your optimism. I mean, now remember, um, you know, uh, today's January 15th. On January 8th, I turned 67 years old, Monica. Mm-hmm. I wrote Love and Addiction in 1975. I was in my 20s. Oh, wow. 
So um, when you talk to me, you can't say, oh, here's some Johnny-come-lately. I'm going to have to tell him what we're up against. I know. And yet here I am, 67. I'm expecting to publish a new book this year. I've got a new Mm -hmm. program going. They're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to drag me out of here kicking and screaming. (laughs) And I've been fighting a long Mm -hmm. time, Monica. Oh, my God. Oh my goodness. So, you know, when you not not that you should doff your cap to me, but um mm, I, you I should am. always remember I I'm there's no human being on the planet Earth, I don't think, who's been in this particular fight that we're discussing longer and harder when with more of his body and soul than I have been. Mm. Remember that. I am, and that's why I have you on again. Now, I want to read what one of the bloggers wrote in the chat room. She said, uh, don't forget unless you completely give yourself to all of the program. In other words, you must believe everything they said. Take what you want and leave the rest. It's one of the biggest lies. Oh, she's talking about what what the bad things that are said to people, the part that you're talking about, sort of the the brainwashing and... You know the uh, the bad part of the whole mental aspect of AA. I mean, I'm really glad you're here, Stanton. Your books helped me personally. Uh, you know, I mean, Gunther told me about you. The bloggers, Ilsa, you know, told me about you. And thinking, thinking helped me deprogram. Your books, interviewing me, helped me deprogram. Uh, you. I'm really me. glad about that. It <laughs> makes me feel good to hear that. And you know, over yeah. the years, I've gotten. Let's just say I've gotten a couple of letters like that, who've people who really said, and of course I have a, I had a treatment program and I have an tr- online treatment program. I've I like to feel I've had some impact. I've contributed, and a lot of individuals, and bless your little heart, Monica, for being one of them, have told me that I have changed their way of thinking. They didn't know you were allowed to think a different way. You know what I mean? It was sort of like, well, there's. You go to school, one-on-one, it's two, gravity makes things fall down, and alcoholism is a disease, and AA is the way you cure it. Mm. It's like you have to believe that, and you're carrying on my tradition of saying, who says you have to believe that? Who wrote that in the heavens? Who chiseled that in stone? Where where is that in the Ten Commandments? And um, it's not. It's not real. It's not true. It's not Mm -hmm. true to people's own experience. Right. And even people that are in AA, if you say to them, um, tell me this and tell me that, like, uh, when did you quit drinking? They'll say, well, I quit before I went to AA or I was going to AA and I was still drinking. I mean, nobody's, even people in AA stories don't make AA sense. So always just <laughs> dig down to your own experience and the things you've seen and you know to be true, and you'll you'll really be led in the right direction. Your own truth is the best truth. I agree. I, I think when I listened to the very first show that we did together in, I think it was May of 2011, you asked me, did I think that alcoholism was a disease? And I took a long time and a roundabout way of answering you, and I want to say this now. I don't think it's a disease. I think it's a behavior, and I don't even like to use the word anymore. So now I use alcohol and drug overuse. I think that so few people have what Bill Wilson had, that if there is such a thing as alcoholism uh, that was, you know, uh, pushed on us in the days of Wine and Roses with Jack Lemmon or whatever, you know, those old movies. Jack Lemmon, right. Lee Remick, way to go. Right, but I think that the, and that was, I found out, a propaganda, that was a propaganda film. That was put together by AA people. It was 100% AA. Jack Klugman was was the AA Mm -hmm. sponsor. Uh, although, of course, Lee Remick didn't get better from AA. And so the way they left her is she's going to die in a hotel room. It's sort of like, Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't like AA? Screw you! You're dead. That's the only. I mean, that that was a positive AA picture. They yeah. relapsed a hundred times in the movie, and yeah. she ends up in a hotel room drinking herself to death. And they say, "See how great AA is and how great it works." And if you don't believe us, you're going to die. Well, you know, I have we have a minute and a half left. I want I you everybody. We were listening to Dr. Stanton Peel. And he has he's write, writing a book. It's coming out this year. But you can go on to the internet and uh, put in lifeprocessprogram.com. It's a, he's got a testimonials. I'll have to read that. And in uh, a community forum, it, he's got a bunch of books. And uh, the two of them right in front of me are the one of the, the truth about addiction and recovery, and addiction proof your child. 
uh, Stanton, it's been great. And because I put my... Monica, my, I'm going to doff my cap to you because you're a force of nature. Nothing can stop you. And it's, I'm so glad that you're joining me and presenting these ideas and getting them out there. Bless your heart and soul. Oh, thank you so much. Really, I'll have you on again soon, and uh, good luck with anything and everything that you're doing, and I'll put it up to my on my blog roll so people can find you. And everybody out there, I'm going to do as many weekly live shows as I can, and if I can't do it, then I'll put up a, a good show like this to replace it. And uh, thank you again, and we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye, right, Monica. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. audience. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Here. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.